Hey, welcome back. We did before, but I think for the last episode of this season, there's no harm in us going wild again. This time with extra teeth. In our first episode on rewilding, we talked about land, about trees, and about changes we need to make for Ireland to tackle the biodiversity crisis we are in the middle of. We've talked bees and insects before, but Ireland is a country that once housed far bigger animals than those that we're used to. An ecosystem is made up of many layers, and over the past centuries, sadly, much of the top layer has eroded. We checked in with Dr. Shane to ask, what have we lost? Anything we've lost in the last 30 or 40 years in Ireland, unfortunately, was probably lost an awful lot longer ago than that. We have lost some pretty big animals in Ireland, but nowhere near the animals that they would have had in mainland Europe or North America. So some of our really big animals in Ireland that were lost would have been the wolf, large birds of prey like our golden eagles and our white-tailed or sea eagles. And we're actually now introducing some of those back into the environment. For some of the larger ones, especially those big predators, it's going to be a really challenging journey. And that's the journey we want to chart today. Let's bring in the Brain Trust and ask them, if you could bring any animal back to Ireland, what would it be? I'm not sure dodos were ever in Ireland, but it would be very cool if they were. Dodo birds? Because they're kind of cool and funny. I really like them, and I'd really like to meet one, because I heard they ate rocks, but also a bit scared if they would eat me alive. I would like a bear to be back. I would love a bear to be wandering in the forests. We sometimes go in the walks in forests, but the bear would go in different forests. I like bears. I wish a mermaid was back. I know they're real. There's one animal I've been doing a bit of research on is the elk. The elk is a huge, lovely deer with huge antlers that were unbelievable big and they were around since the Stone Age. They went extinct a long time ago though. I wish they came back because they're just lovely creatures. The elk is huge, so wouldn't they be a bit scared of the huge beast? And if it's huge and wonderful and fantastic, then obviously people want to hunt it and kill it. Then they'll go extinct all over again. I know that there are some red squirrels in Ireland, but I wish that there was more of them. Red squirrels, unlike grey squirrels, grey squirrels can be a bit crazy and cuckoo, but red squirrels are lovely, kind of like wolves. There's a lot I wish, but mainly I'd say the wolf. The wolves. If we still had proper forests here, bears and wolves would be cool too. If that was an election, I'd say the wolf won, and with a decent margin. But how do we even get started reintroducing large animals into our countryside? To investigate, we headed north to a place that's making a go of just that. So my name is Killian McLaughlin. I'm the founder of Wild Ireland, which is a wildlife sanctuary that focuses on animals that were once native to Ireland and that have since gone extinct. And we're based here in County Donegal. Wild Ireland is a step back in time. You step into this beautiful Celtic rainforest and you go around on the paths and you encounter along the way animals that are native, such as our red fox or our barn owls that greet you when you arrive. And as you get further into the forest, then you'll encounter our wolves, our lynx, our brown bears, and of course our big family of wild boar as well. And all of these animals were once native to Ireland but have been hunted to extinction. These are probably two of the quietest animals in the park, barn owls, and they live in our barn here. As you can see, we've recreated a natural habitat where you might find barn owls. It used to be quite common in Ireland, but with the building of more modern barns that 
don't allow barnacles to come in, and also the use of pesticides, rat poisoning. Obviously, they they get secondary poisoning from that. They might eat a rodent that was poisoned, and of course, that has that's self-explanatory. The the barnacles get poisoned in turn. So they're quite rare now in this country, particularly in Donegal. We don't have very many of them left. We have a pair here. We have a male and a female and we're quite hopeful that these will breed and it would be really nice to increase the numbers of them and maybe look at a reintroduction program at some stage in the future which would be fantastic. Ever since I was a little boy I just loved animals and I suppose my back garden had become a little bit of a wildlife sanctuary and very quickly I ran out of space and the rescue started off as small birds and foxes and then up to rescuing our three brown bears from Lithuania two years ago so it's been a gradual progression to get to where we are here today. We're just approaching the, the brown bear habitat here at Wild Ireland. These are European brown bears. These are the same species of bear that was once native to Ireland as well. So believe it or not, we had these guys roaming the countryside at one time. They're big, of course. I think our male weighs about 400 kg. They're brown with a little kind of a goldy blondy tint to the end of their fur. Bears are omnivores, of course. They eat meat and plant material. In the wild, they can even catch deer. Although they look big and clumsy, they're not. They're fast enough to hunt down deer. But mainly their diet consists of a lot of fish, a lot of salmon. So anytime you cross a river, every time, certainly every time I cross a river in Ireland, I always look in and imagine a big brown bear fishing there at one time. And plant material in the wintertime when they emerge from hibernation, there's nothing around to eat, so they actually graze grass just like a cow or a sheep would. So here at Wild Ireland, we feed them at this time of the year, they're eating about between five and six kilos each every day of fresh fruit, fresh vegetables, fresh meat, fresh fish, peanuts, honey, you name it, they eat it. You can see the keeper there opening and closing the door from outside the habitat so we don't go in with the bears at all. Uh, and you can see them now, they've just been released and uh, they're, they're going about their day looking for their, for their lunch. They will literally find every little piece. You can see the crows coming in now as well and you can see the chaffinches stealing the little uh, peanuts that they're getting. So um, I might actually clap my hands here and shoo off the crows. They're stealing all the food, which costs us a fortune, of course, but at least the crows are well fed. We've all been to Dublin Zoo, a place doing incredible things to preserve endangered species from across the planet. And some of the biggest attractions are the lions and tigers. But it's not like we ever had a big cat here in Ireland, is it? Hi. Hello. Hello. That's Nisha, the European lynx, and that's her just saying hello. She's a big cat, of course, so she's related to lions and tigers and also related to your domestic cats at home. She's about the size of a Labrador dog. She's brown in colour with little darker brown spots on her, like a leopard. She's got a very short tail, which is a characteristic of all lynx and bobcats. And she also has little tufts on the top of her ears as well there that you can see. They're a big cat. I always say they're the original Celtic tiger. We had them here in Ireland for thousands of years very difficult to say when these animals went extinct here because unlike wolves and bears lynx don't live in caves so when they die they die out in the open and the Irish climate is not very good for preserving fossils so most of the lynx bones were washed away with the weather and the, and the climate however there was one unfortunate lynx that fell through like a hole in the ground and fell down into a cave underground and its bones lay there for 9,000 years they were carbon dated and that proved that we had lynx in this country just because you find bones doesn't mean that that was the last of its kind. You know, in all likelihood, they probably survived here around about 2,000 years ago when we really started to farm here and clear the trees and intensive deforestation. And I think the lynx went with the bears at that time as well. I would say they went extinct around about the same time, but that's just my own theory on it. But the, the interesting thing is there's no Irish word for lynx. 
So either they predate the Irish, the modern Irish language, or there was a word that was forgotten about. Wild Ireland has dedicated a space to give over to these animals, showcasing what rewilding could mean for Ireland. And it's something that we have to scale up. But this presents challenges. I think rewilding works really well in certain areas. So in certain areas of Scotland or in large estates in England, where you can make that single big decision to rewild and it happens, it works really well. In a country like Ireland, where you've got thousands and thousands of small owners of land, deciding to rewild is going to be much more difficult. So although it's a great idea and it's really, really positive for Irish biodiversity and it's really, really positive for the climate and for all those other impacts like flooding and water and air quality and even our enjoyment of nature, it's really important, but it's going to be really difficult to do. So it's going to be difficult, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. I mean, what could we be restoring? Everybody knows about the tropical rainforests in South America and in Asia, but not very many people know about the temperate rainforests. We're standing in a little remaining pocket here in Ireland, and if you have a look in the trees, you'll see one of the characteristics of a rainforest, both tropical and temperate, but found nowhere else, is that you'll see plants growing on other plants. So if you have a look at the birch trees behind us, you'll see mosses growing on them, you'll see lichens, you'll see ferns, and as we go around the corner, there's even better examples of that. And that's because the high rainfall that we have here in this forest. So the largest temperate rainforest in the world is in Vancouver, in Canada. Of course, they have bears and wolves and lynx there. So that, if you wanted to imagine what Ireland was once like, Canada's a pretty good example of, of that. So do we choose to rewild, or is it even a choice? I don't think it's a choice. I think it's something that we have to do. We cannot exist without nature. Nature can exist fine without us, but we will become extinct if we don't do something to preserve the planet. We have to realise that every time we breathe in, that is coming from a tree, that oxygen that we're breathing. So without the trees, without the wildlife, without the animals that help the trees grow, we are no more. You can't just draw a little line or a fence around nature and say, oh, nature's in there, it's looking after itself, leave it be. No, we have to realise that we are a part of it and embrace it. If we're going to achieve it, rewilding is going to need its champions. And social media is one place where you'll find people trying to fight for it from behind a keyboard. Hi folks, my name is David Smith and I run the Rewild in Ireland account on Twitter. So I use Twitter a good bit with my rewilding account. I learn a lot from other people as well. I try and post about the wolf in Ireland a lot because I just need people to start thinking about the wolf in Ireland. A lot of my friends when I was growing up, and me included, didn't think about what it'd be like to have the wolf in Ireland. We didn't know that there was once a wolf in Ireland and we didn't think about how the wolf could live in Ireland again. I think it's very important to just talk to people and talk about what you want to see happen because you don't know if it will happen until you start talking with people and seeing if you can make a change. But why is the wolf so important? How can one creature make such a difference to an ecosystem? Let's look for the best example yet. Well, introducing apex predators is some of the best things you can do for the environment. It's possible to reintroduce animals that aren't there anymore. One place where they did that was in Yellowstone Park in America. Really famous national park for its geezers and everything like that. But it's also now really famous for its wolves, because the wolves have literally changed the course of rivers. They had eradicated the wolf from the park and everything in the park fell out of balance. The deer population exploded, the bison population exploded, and they actually had deforestation caused by overgrazing by the 
large number of herbivores that were there. So in 1995, they brought in 14 wolves down from Canada and they released them into the park. And things in the park changed overnight. Basically, what the wolves have done is the wolves have hunted out some of the deer or some of the large browsers of the trees. So that kicked off what's called a landscape of fear ecology. Straight away, the deer started acting differently in the park. The herbivores in the park realised that the predators were now back and they had to change their behaviour accordingly, just in case there might be a wolf stalking them. So instead of staying in the same place and overgrazing and eating the bark off the trees, they just nibbled a little bit of the tree and they moved on and they kept moving just in case to make sure that they weren't getting stalked by wolves. This led to some of the trees growing back in the area. The trees meant that more birds came back. With the trees growing, there was more berries. So bears came back and the bears started to predate some of the deers too. This meant that all the grazing was down. That means that another animal that eats those trees and uses those trees can proliferate. It can get more successful. Beaver numbers increase. Beavers are another keystone species as well. They create dams and that's habitat for other animals like uh, ducks and amphibians and different fish. So as more wetlands and more species came back and insects came back. So if the beavers increase and they're making dams in the rivers, that means the rivers change direction. So if you look at satellite imagery prior to the wolves coming into the park and satellite imagery from today, the river now meanders more. And that's really good news for people that live downstream because the more a river meanders, it slows the flow of the water down and stops it just gushing down the river and into a town or city causing floods. It's not all bad news for the deer either because wolves generally take the sick and the weak out of the population. So you end up with a really healthy population of deer and a really healthy population of bison. The wolves can identify the animals that have disease and of course they're pulling that disease out. And that's good news for the farmers around the park as well because the deer aren't passing on TB or brucellosis or one of those diseases to their farm animals. So we can see that when we reintroduce one animal to an area, it can have a knockdown which is called a trophic cascade. So when you introduce an apex predator like a wolf, the whole environment changes for the better. It's fascinating what happens when when you restore balance. Ecosystems are constantly in a state of flux, but humans are at the centre of extinction of most creatures for millennia. Our actions from hunting to environmental damage have led to catastrophic disappearances of fauna once native to Ireland. But in some cases, that doesn't have to be permanent. We've actually seen some animals come back on their own. So this year we saw the marsh harriers bred in Ireland for the first time in ages. We also saw that the greater spotted woodpecker is spreading all over Ireland. That came over in the early 2000s and it's now recorded as far west as Galway. We also saw that the buzzard, a big bird of prey, is all around the country and that's predating mice and rodents and keeping some of the, we call it landscape of fear ecology going throughout the country. But we can't depend on these things happening naturally anymore. We need to take an active approach. And Killian has been at this for some time. I always had a fascination in native wildlife and particularly animals that once lived in this country but that were now extinct. Most people know that we had wolves in Ireland but not so many people know that we used to have bears as well and wild boars. I wanted to educate people about the animals that we had here in Ireland and the animals that we lost. And I wanted to inspire people to preserve the animals that we still do here, like our pine martens, our red squirrels and things like that. In the past month, news stories surfaced of wild boar at large in Kerry. It was a small family who'd most likely escaped from the farm. 
They were captured very, very quickly because they'd been labelled as an invasive species. Yeah, so I, I disagree with them being labelled as an invasive species because there is so much evidence that points towards them being here. Not only do we have fossils of them, we also have old texts. Uh, it's not that long ago that they went extinct and apparently they were more numerous and more ferocious than anywhere else in Europe when they were here. Ireland was once covered in forest. Right from Malinhead to Mizzenhead, you could walk apparently without coming out from under the cover of a tree. Wild boar are a keystone species in a European forest, and that's what we once had here, was a European ecosystem and a European forest. One of the important trees in that forest was the oak tree, of course, and oak trees produce acorns, and of course oak trees in turn grow from acorns. As the oak trees drop the acorns, they need a, a nicely ploughed soft bed to fall into and start to grow. And the wild boar is nature's plough. They're in under the canopy of the oak forest. They're churning up the ground. They're eating all the bramble. They're eating all the weeds. And then in the autumn time, when the oak trees drop their acorns, they fall into a nice seed bed, which allows the forest to continue and grow and reproduce. So when you pull something like a wild boar out, fair enough, the wild boar are gone, but it has a knock-on effect to other species. And the oak tree is a very good example that suffers when we lose our wild boar. So I think if we're going to start talking about rewilding, we really need to be looking at a full ecosystem, a complete ecosystem, not just little parts that suit us and suit the farmers and suit the walkers. It doesn't work like that. It's going to fall out of balance again. You need to look at the ecosystem as a whole, and that includes wild boar, it includes all the trees, and it includes an apex predator. So what do we need to do? So we've reintroduced the eagles. There's some animals coming back on their own. But the one project I think we need to do is bring back the wolves to Ireland because the wolf is what I call an umbrella project for rewilding in Ireland. The wolf, if we brought him back, would mean that we'd have to look at having big areas of land for nature. We'd have to look at living beside wild nature. If we can protect a big area for a wolf to walk around, we can protect all the animals that will live in that woodland or grassland habitat as well. This is our pack of wolves here. We've got three wolves in the pack. We have two European wolves on the right. Uh, the smaller one is Oshin and the larger one on the left is Fergus. And then we have Finn, our white wolf. And he's mostly, he's a bit of a, what we call a generic wolf. So he's a bit of a, a mixed breed. So he's got uh, mostly North American gray wolf. Same species, just different subspecies. They've all grown up together. Oshin and Fergus are blood brothers and then Finn is their adopted brother, let's put it that way. So Oshin and Fergus, as I said, they're European wolves and they're the same species of wolf that was once native to Ireland. They were so common in Ireland at one time that the, the Ireland was nicknamed Wolfland. And the Irish people respected and revered the wolf. We used to have a completely different attitude towards wolves in this country. They were called Mactir, and that means son of the land or son of the country. And that, that was really like a term of royalty. And then it wasn't really until the British came to Ireland and tried to tame the whole place that the wolf became a target for hunters. Even at that, you know, it was the odd one taken here and there. There was never any real big impact made in their numbers until Oliver Cromwell came here in 1753. I believe he put a, a bounty on their heads. He put five pound on a male and six pound on a female wolf. Even then, the Irish didn't take up the bounty. They still respected and revered the wolf, but as well as that, they weren't allowed to carry guns. So we had professional wolf hunters coming in from elsewhere in Europe to collect this huge bounty. And you can imagine, in 1653, £5 and £6 was a lot of money. So it was a very lucrative trade to be in wolf hunting. And unfortunately, the wolf didn't last too long after that. The last wolf was killed in 1786 in County Carlow, and it was killed by a guy called John Watson. And the wolf had been uh, killing his sheep and he headed up into the mountains with his dogs and, and killed the last wolf. 
That seems so sad, especially because the wolf was part of our stories for generations. The wolf in Ireland is a very strange and fascinating subject. From what I understand, reading the mythology and some of the literature references, the wolf wasn't an evil animal in Ireland. If we also look at some of the myths about wolves, there was people raised by wolves in the cave of Kesh. We also have the story of the Wolfmen of Ossery, which is kind of the story of Wolfwalkers, the recently released movie where people would go to sleep and wake up as wolves and their body would lie in bed while they ran around as wolves. Well, let's go to its maker. Wolf, wolf, hunting far and yonder. I'm Tom Moore. I'm a founder of Cartoon Saloon. One of the sad realizations I had when I researched the mythology of the wolves of Ossery from around here in Kilkenny was that there was a deep connection in Irish culture up until the 17th century between Irish people and wolves, you know, and that we lost more than just the species. We lost a little part of ourselves, a little part of our identity, a little part of how we saw ourselves as brother apex predators to the wolves rather than having dominion over them. And something changed around then. I think it came in the Puritan worldview, that idea that we were in charge of the planet and you know nature was ours to dominate and to to use for ourselves rather than nature being something that we were part of that we were just another creature within the forest is brimming with wolves it's my job to hunt them down not yours and i think there's something really sad when we thought about the forests that we lost like the the country was completely covered in forests and there was a whole other way of living that was um, a little bit more harmonious prior to that so it was quite sad to think back on that and I don't know how much we can reclaim I think places that are still wild like the Amazon can teach us that it's more precious to keep it than to try and restore it because trying to restore the oak forests that covered Ireland would be a very difficult challenge now because we've lost them but maybe it might motivate us to try and preserve the wilderness we do have. So, what would you feel like if you went for a walk in the wilderness and you came across a wolf? I'd be terrified. I would be just so excited to see wolves brought into the forest. I would be excited, maybe nervous, but happy too. Wolves? I would just stay under my covers all day. Wouldn't even dare to go outside. I'd be slightly scared and slightly excited because you wouldn't have been around them and you'd be excited to see what they look like in person and what they act like, but also scared because they're quite dangerous animals as well. I mean, wolves just one time you, but you would be scared, wouldn't you? There aren't any nearby forests to us, but I would be scared. Wolves one time you, they just need to hunt deers and stuff to get their food because they're not like us. We have food, we have everything we need, but they don't. They need to hunt other animals. And that's part of the problem, because any wild animal reintroduced into Ireland would have to coexist with more domestic creatures close to land that now serves a different purpose. So reintroducing an apex predator like the wolf into Ireland is a great idea in theory. But this is one of the issues with environmental problems in Ireland and in countries in general, is that you need to think about everybody's position in this. Introducing the wolf is a fantastic idea for something like controlling deer numbers. But are sheep farmers going to be happy with that? Definitely not. 
even other people that are afraid of wolves for whatever reason, they're not going to be happy with that. So it's not going to happen overnight and it needs to have a much, much longer term plan in place before we start even thinking about doing it. In somewhere like Scotland, where you've got single large landowners with giant estates because all the people were taken off them hundreds of years ago, it's much easier to do that because you've got lots of deer and they're probably there in the first place to be hunted anyway. So instead of being hunted by a wealthy person from the south of that island, you have a wolf do it instead. But in Ireland, we don't have those huge wild areas. Even our huge wild areas in Ireland tend to be owned by lots of other smaller people who use it for sheep grazing or for what we call commonage, or some of them even extract peat from it as well at a really small scale to keep their economies going. And we aren't necessarily thinking about those other people when we talk about introducing something like the wolf. So how might farmers feel about this? Farmer groups do have a right to be worried about rewilding in Ireland. It's going to be a big change, but one of the key things to say is we're not looking to rewild every part of Ireland. We're looking to create a mosaic of habitats where there's different types of land use around the country. So we can have farming, we can have wild areas, we can have woodland, we can have wetlands that are restored. So we can have farming in areas that are wild and we can have farming that exists alongside rewilded areas. We just need to look at how do we best achieve that in modern Ireland. We asked Killian how he responds to people concerned at what wild wolves might mean. Well, I would address their fears. You know, I would ask them what their fears are. Is it livestock, losing sheep? Wolves will take sheep. There's no point in denying that, but we have to give them solutions. And what they do in mainland Europe and in uh, other places where there are wolves, they use dogs to protect their sheep. Turkey's a really good example of that. They have the Turkish Karabash there, which is a breed of dog that's specifically bred for their affiliation with sheep. And they take the sheep on as part of their own family. And as the wolves show up, the dogs chase them off. Electric fences are another really good way. So there are ways of working around fears. The fear of the big bad wolf, though, is really on found we have nothing to fear from wolves they, they avoid us at all costs they're afraid of us so we do need to address those fears there need to be public consultation and deal with people's fears and try and convince them that they're not the big bad wolf from the fairy tales they're not going to huff and puff and blow our houses down or uh, sneak into your house and um, dress up as granny in the bed you know i mean you're only going to get bitten by a wolf if you're doing something really silly trying to hurt them or catch them or do something like that they will bite but at the end of the day you know They're entitled to protect themselves. Anything with teeth can bite. Don't forget that. Honestly, I'm a lot more afraid of humans than I am of wolves. We have a lot more to fear from each other than we do from the wolf. One way to get away from individualism is to look at groups that work. Something like a wolf pack. So you'll see them now step on the surface and they can actually smell things that are underwater. You see them, they'll come down a minute and they'll start sniffing the water and they'll find it then. So I dropped a piece of meat on the on the bottom of the pond, and uh, Fergus knows it's there, and he's he, you can see him using his nose and his, he's putting his face underwater trying to find it. And now Ashin has twigged. Look, see the little bit of growling and snarling. That's Fergus is saying it's my piece of food, not yours. Fergus is actually really good at, at, at getting the food off the bottom. Humans have had a relationship with dogs for an incredibly long time, and although wolves are quite different, seeing one up close does reinforce the shared history. Well, they look right into your soul with their big yellow eyes, and you know there's something there that we recognise as well. I don't think that our natural instincts have forgotten that you know that we shared this country with wolves for so long, and of course wolves are the ancestor of the domestic dog as well and we see a lot of familiarities between them they wag their tail and they look like our dogs there's a lot of differences as well wolves don't bark for example wolves howl instead they're not aggressive animals they don't bully each other they're like us if there was a member of the pack that was bullying everybody else 
they would just be asked to leave. The same as us, if we had a friend in our group that was bullying people or harassing them, you would say, look, we don't want to be friends with you anymore. And wolves are the same. And a wolf is only as strong as his pack. So if you had a, a lone wolf, he's not going to last too long on his own because he can't hunt, he can't protect himself. So they have to look after each other. They're, you know, they're social creatures. And often creatures they're socialising with don't even have to be wolves. These three wolves had a very amazing relationship with our little Bichon Freeze at home. They grew up with him and we thought that he would have an influence on their behaviour, that they might start acting more like dogs, but the opposite happened and our Bichon Freeze stopped eating dog food, only wanted raw meat. He would howl with the wolves. Obviously the wolves got too big and too rough and when we saw them picking him up in their mouths we knew that it was time to separate them. But he still comes to visit them every now and again and it's amazing as soon as he gets out of the car he actually starts howling and, and they howl back at him and then there's a whole greeting between the fence, they wag their tails and lick each other. It's obviously through the safety of the fence because the wolves just don't realise that he's not as big and as strong as they are. They see him as one of the pack so it's a, it's a unique relationship. We have to improve our relationship to the wider world and although it's not the answer to everything, rewilding has to be part of a future plan. I'm passionate about rewilding. I think it's a great idea and I, I think it's part of an overall spiritual change of heart that the whole planet needs to go through, that people need to go through. As a society, we need to start thinking differently about our relationship to nature because really our, our lives are on the line at this stage, you know, our futures are on the line. I'd like to see habitats spring up across the country in a big mosaic. So we have farmland, we have woodland, we have wetlands kind of living alongside each other. I think that this would have a huge impact to rural Ireland, a huge positive impact to keep people living in these communities because we see that a lot of people can't stay in their hometowns anymore because their jobs are in urban centres. If we could start paying people to have nature services on their land as opposed to livestock, we could keep a lot of rural communities in Ireland open and we could have have a much more rich, diverse nature in rural Ireland too. Reintroducing wolves or any apex predator definitely presents challenges. But as you've heard today, there's a lot of support for the idea, even inside the Brain Trust. If wolves were reintroduced to a nearby forest, I would be really happy for that these amazing creatures came back to Ireland because they were in Ireland's forests a time ago. But if they came back, People would be scared, scared of what's going to happen to their cats or pets. I would be scared too, but it would be nice to have them back because unlike humans, they would only take what they need. Oh, I'd love if every time I went up Mount Leinster, I could see maybe a snowy wolf or just a wolf anywhere, really. I'd love a wolf. They're my favourite animals. They always were and they probably always will be. I just like the way they look. They look really cool and they travel in the pack. But until wolves come back, I'm going to have to put up with my little dog Twix, who's here beside me. <laughs> he tried to eat the microphone. Twix, go easy on the mic. Let's go back to Wild Ireland to ask Killian how, if the will was there, we could bring back the wolf. Is it imminent? With regards to the predators that we have, I can't see that happening anytime soon. We definitely need to change our attitude towards wildlife in this country. We all sit at home, we watch TV, we're all armchair conservationists. We give out about other countries like India killing off all their tigers or Africa killing off all their lions. If I was from India or Africa, I'd be pointing the finger back at us guys in, in Europe and saying, well, you guys are, you've already exterminated all your top predators. 
who are you to preach to us, basically. We need to get rid of the big bad wolf from the fairy tales as well. Wolves are social creatures, they're gentle creatures, they avoid humans at all costs. There's never been a report of a healthy wolf attacking a human in the wild. We need to completely change everything before we start considering reintroducing an apex predator like a wolf. And we need to look at providing a habitat for them where they can be left alone and strict laws that if anybody messes with them, they feel the full force of the law. Thanks so much to Dr Shane, David Smith of Rewilding Ireland, the Brain Trust and Killian from Wild Ireland who was so good to us when a roving reporter visited last month. We'll finish with the big question. Why should the wolf be part of our future here in Ireland? Well, they were part of our past and a huge significant part of our past at that. They're very important again for the ecosystem. We're seeing similar things in Ireland in the ecosystem to what we saw in Yellowstone National Park where the ecosystem collapsed. With huge populations of deer in Donegal, down the west coast and into Wicklow, humans are having to control their numbers with guns or shooting them to control their numbers to protect forest and agriculture and also because they carry disease as well like TB. If we reintroduced a wolf we would have an apex predator and the number of deer would be kept at a proper level. It would be the perfect level in fact. When the wolf disappeared here we had a huge hole in our ecosystem that has really been filled by foxes. Now the fox numbers have exploded and we see them in our cities and our towns. Same here in the countryside and they're over killing everything. Ground nesting birds, particularly here in Inishon, we've only three pairs of curlews left and they're a ground nesting bird. And every year the foxes are just taking the chicks. So last year I think they had six chicks and the fox took the whole lot of them. That's not the fox's fault, they're native here as well. They play a part in our ecosystem but they have no natural control and the wolf actually keeps the fox in control as well. So everything below the wolf falls into place. If we had wolves back here, we would have the perfect number of foxes, we'd have the perfect number of deer, our trees and our forests would have a chance to grow, and our small ground nesting birds and other small mammals would have a chance to thrive. So even though it sounds crazy that you're introducing a predator to help prey, but it works. I think we saw that with the, with the pine marten and the red squirrel as well. The pine marten, age-old enemy of the red squirrel, they do eat red squirrels, but ironically they're now protecting the red squirrel because they're killing off all the grey squirrels. The grey squirrel doesn't recognise them as a predator because the grey squirrel hasn't evolved with them, and that's given the red squirrels a chance to flourish in the forests that have healthy pine marten populations. So if we scale that up to the wolf, everything makes sense. This season has spun past in a blur. We've covered a huge amount, from art to silence, farms to bees and wolves. We all know that there's a lot more to do, and although we're taking a break to ready the new series, we won't leave you hanging too long. Email junior at rte.ie if you'd like to be part of the Brain Trust, or have a subject you'd like us to cover. The climate crisis is the biggest story we'll ever have to cover, and we want to hear your views all of the time. While we're away, we're introducing a brand new series I know you'll love. That's Animal. We'll bring you inside Dublin Zoo with zookeeper Brendan Walsh on amazing animals and their habitats. It'll be on each Wednesday at 7pm from the 18th of August, only on RTE Junior Radio or wherever you get your podcasts. But that's it. I get a holiday. Hey Nikki, any chance of you getting me sustainably sourced fair trade coffee? Nikki? Hey? The edit suite's empty. Oh, there's a note. Dear James, Gone to live with wolves and fend for self. Please lock studio on way out. Whoa, they say RTE changes people, but this? <sighs> oh well, see you next season. Ecolution. Ecolution was produced by Nikki Cockton for RTE Junior Radio. This is our. I'm-